0: We're in the middle of a smackdown between traditional experts who base their opinion on experience and intuition, and this new breed of super crunchers who base their predictions on uh, what the numbers say. The story of eHarmony is really a, a new kind of wisdom of crowds. You know, in, in the old type of online dating, they would ask you, who do you think you'd be compatible with? But eHarmony, it goes out and has you do a, take a personality profile. And it doesn't care so much about who you think you'll like, but it uses massive data set to figure out what kind of people tend to be compatible with, with you, regardless of what you think you'd like. Ladies and gentlemen, male and female USB ports, I'm your host, comic Nick Munez. You have just tuned into the niche, Nick's nonfiction, brand new, latest, greatest edition we have Ian Ayers, he makes you throw your hands in the air, air. his book, Super Crunchers. This is one of these Silicon Valley minds. He's showing us how algorithms will be making more of our decisions than our prefrontal cortex by 2050. Ian once had a wine sommelier expert friend, Orly Ashenfelter, world stage of sniffing wine. He says red wine drinkers get a double satisfaction when buying a bottle they briefly become an investor with an underlying question what is the ideal period of time to cash in on your gratification keep the wine bottle forever and try to sell it if you had super crunched data a wall street betting quantum computer that could read the nodes in the grapes you would know when to sell it or when to drink it and it tastes best for you, Odd way to start it, Ian Ayers is running along this Nick Bostrom super intelligence big tech mind. We read super intelligence two years ago. That is the AI book. It tells you about the oracles and the different kinds of genie-like systems that you could, like the original 20 questions game you had. The military has one 50 times the size of that underneath the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Nick Bostrom, he taught us about exponential computer growth. We're going to learn about circuit boards making 3 million actions per second. That guy from Freakonomics, one of the top podcasts out there, Stephen Levitt, he wrote the forward to the book. He mentions this one constantly as well. We're going to get into dating apps, push notifications. Those are the new did-you-get-home-safe texts. That Grubhub guy and all the memes right now. How effective is the Netflix? Do you want to watch this show next? Is the machine making up your mind for you? Talking about the World Economic Forum. They're saying, humans, did you see this? A real headline. I don't just spew out my ass here. Humans are no longer curious spirits, but hackable machinery. By the eighth chapter today, you are going to understand how these multinational CEOs see the human mind. It's not like that Disney movie Soul. You are a pawn. Let's go about the author Ian Ayers. Ayer, ay, ayer. That's too fun to do. He was born in 1959. He grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. Dorothy, we ain't in Kansas anymore. He played varsity basketball, ran cross-country, served as an executive editor on his high school newspaper. He's the king of controversy. almost got canceled out of high school. He wrote an op-ed piece his senior year called Black Like Me, named for the 1961 book by the same name. And it was controversial talking about the consequences of checking your race in the box for the PSATs. Because, you know, affirmative action, I don't want to get too race-heavy. And the about the author, it's worse for Asian kids. Like it's harder for them to get into college because affirmative action is saying every Asian kid is supposed to be twenty points above the IQ higher. So now it's harder for them to get into Harvard. <laughs> he goes into the abominable sciences of uh, sex and IQ in the last chapter. Stay tuned for that. Nowadays you're gonna get canceled. He went to Yale. Maybe this guy's skull and bones. He graduated in 1981, summa cum laude. Cum real loud. <laughs> got a dual degree in Russian studies and economics. Received his PhD in economics from MIT in 1988. Taught at Northwestern School of Law, University of Virginia School of Law, the Mass, Cow, Mass Cows. They got. Big old heifers over there in Russia, a Moscow State Institution of International Relations. So, this guy's skull and bones and a KGB spy. He's ranked as one of the 250 most prolific and most well cited legal scholars of his generation. (laughs) Those are the leaderboards we really need to follow. He's a Bostrom level academic. This book came out in September of 2007. October 4th, the uh, Yale Daily Newspaper reported it had found nine passages in the book that were also in similar New York Times publications. So, this is a plagiarized potpourri we have today. People speculate that this is not all original ideas, (laughs) says the kid with the book show about books. Is there any original thought anymore? That's like the, we're going to have Salvador Dali, the secrets to life. He's going, every artist is fake nowadays. Nobody has an original thought. (laughs) Well, we're getting mechanical machinery robotic today. We're not going to be talking about romanticist artistic. Take that back to the closet, you queer. Chapter one, who's doing your thinking for you? I got a freaking mason jar full of coffee today. Can of chastity. Hell yeah. Who's doing your thinking for you? Is your iPhone playing a part or your significant other? Recommendations make life a whole lot easier. Think about as a girl, half of the attraction of being taken on a date is you don't have to think of a time, a place, or anything. Just get prepared, look pretty. You're taking a full recommendation of a night. At a base level, our brain seeks to delegate tasks to save energy. That's why a girl is looking for a mate. Just do the work for me. Recommendations are always what we're looking for. And in the market, the most efficient kind of an advertisement is a peer-to-peer recommendation. You ever uh, buy the same car that somebody had or a mom gets the same Lysol as her friend? I don't know. Laundry detergent? Groceries. The New York Times listed 2008 when this book was written, the most purchased um, Apple products were emailed articles from one person to another. Everyone's looking for recommendations. Uh, before the World Wide Web and we spent four hours of screen time a day, the best way to advertise was through other people. This is changing rapidly, so who's thinking for us a little bit more now? The next evolution of this recommendation software he talked about was Netflix, which was around in 2008. What were they, mailing you CDs at the time? It was the move. I think that's how at my friend saw House I Saw Sunny in Philadelphia and Breaking Bad for the first time. Head of the curve. Their algorithm first suggestion is uh, got people in a trance. There's hundreds of memes made about it. Sorry. There's a kitten over there. Hundreds of memes made about it. Somebody's sitting on a pylon. This is somebody's daughter when Netflix is recommending the next episode. Think about the Amazon book algorithm. If you've been to the brick-and-mortar stores, that's so counterintuitive. Amazon is going back to making more overhead, hiring in-store managers because they want a presence in the public square. I don't understand. Amazon they have in their bookstores now you should also read this like imagine in the library you're in the mystery section and under Sherlock Holmes then it has non-fictional conspiracies you might also like this you're a skeptical person these uh, algorithms are also proven very powerful through the Amazon bookstore bringing it back into real life real life is cancelled that's so like 2016 (laughs) let's get to the ready player 2 now So what's the best way for people to use these algorithms? Obviously, corporations just want us to buy things with it. It used to be buddies recommending. Well, it's heavily influencing the culture of sex. So future, they're breeding us. eHarmony bases their suggestions off of past emotional temperament, social style, cognitive models of browsing history. So they're coordinating with other businesses to, let's trade their information that way you can also provide a better product to this consumer one of the later chapters is about all the car companies are trading your information the Equifax breach it happened, your gold is being raided, eHarmony they had 30,000 matches in a year, that's 90 marriages a day let's take it back to our wine sommelier would you trust a robot to recommend the best wine to you well why would you trust your significant star-crossed lover to be found through your magical pocket square? You want a girl who's been single enough she has body of loneliness, <laughs> but it hasn't gone bitter to the palate yet. Uh it's like taste, you know, algorithms are they really the best taste makers? Who's on Spotify? You know that's a job, the um, Spotify playlist curator? I was like a DJ in college. I was like, yeah, I'll just do that forever. Now every girl's dating app I see. Girls are saying they're DJs now. Everyone's getting more bold. Everybody's everything. (laughs) Is it really the best tastemaker, Spotify? They hire people to do it. Who programs the algorithms? People. So who's behind it? Who's making the taste? Who's making your decisions for you? Name of the chapter. As we get towards the end, the next rational place for big tech to implement these very expensive algorithms would be the labor force. And one of the later chapters is about this won't go too deep. It's like a um, the Department of Labor's aptitude test (laughs) almost sounds like Soviet Russia, where the government makes you take a test at 18 and that's your job for the rest of your life. I'm not doing much to sell it today. I've become more of a Luddite in the past two months. Who needs all this tech, man? Just go out there get your willy wet. Walmart, they have an in-house program for this headhunting algorithm. So they make you do a little test. um, And then it'll, are you better as a soup stacker or as a cashier? They do these for every single job now. Even if you're a fucking fry cook, they make you take those like 300... uh, page questionnaires are you more likely to not tell your boss if someone is calling out or to tell them and then the fifth question later is are you not more likely to tell your boss or would you it's just trying to trick you Trying to over 300 questions fatigue your mind you didn't even take the job yet one of these things is like the future they're going to have a job match algorithm that you can swipe on on your obama phone you know everything will be socialized you would have to pay me to swipe for jobs you know headhunter is a profession just like the spotify curator (laughs) it's worse when it's automated do you like talking to fake indian customer service reps scariest example of this was hertz terra mining the car company Hertz, they let you borrow at your own expense you pay for the uh warranty up top but that doesn't matter now they will um, use the in car monitors, the lane backup camera, all that crap and it like <laughs> teramines your micro infringements on freedom on the road and it charges you more at the end of your um, baloney everything is being mined, I turned all these sensors off in my vehicle but it doesn't matter, I'm sure there's some the 5G tracer can monitor how many RPMs I am from 200 miles away chapter one here just laying out that um as we move forward towards digitization more of our thoughts become automated as well this is only going to get deeper this book and read the bio for the show we're going to philip k dick on it chapter two creating your own data but i thought the machines are making our decisions for us Ian straight up said to start it flip a coin from time to time it's like these new computer programs which again I'm going to a computer to randomize something randonauts it's called and people like it gives you coordinates throughout the day you type in something you want to see and it it obviously makes you go to somewhere random randonauts people have been trying to do this for millions of years where do you go when the fork is in the road is there an eye in the sky guiding you along? Or is it <laughs> this guy just paranoidly writing about machines are the ones doing it now? Ronald Fisher. We're going to go so much deeper on what the machines want. If you were a Terminator, come on, what's your motive? Ronald Fisher is considered the father of modern statistics. Got famous from his antibiotic trials in the 1920s. The FDA had to randomize his test to determine whether medical treatment is efficacious is medical treatment efficacious so everyone who loved public education is like native americans all those savages needed our medicine modern medicine is amazing did you know the third leading cause of death in the most technologically developed country the united states third leading cause of death is medical malpractice Your body is a better doctor than the doctor. Listen to your gut. (laughs) I know that's not... People are going to say, You're responsible for my cancer now. I listen to my gut. Was your gut the one that made you decide to eat sugar your whole life? Or was it an indoctrination method? This is like his randomized test, the medical treatments. They didn't even know if modern pharma was actually doing help for people. This is a whole thing we could do a whole books on the medical industrial complex the point here is you got to randomize trials when they do uh, medical trials double blind placebo tests you can't know who's in the other room and you can't be told this is the effect of the drug because then it influences your placebo again your body is a witch doctor if you're like my stomach is upset and you just sit around breathe you shit a little bit, it'll be fixed. Or you could go to one of these randomized tests and uh, let Bayer pump you full of pseudofeds. Take a stat 101 class, randomized trials. I've said before on the show, if you have an audience and you poll the people, you say, guy number one, how many people do you think are in the room? Five. Next guy says eight. Next guy says ten. So it's like an average of seven people everyone thinks is in the room. And then, yeah, there's seven people. The wisdom of crowds sigh entangled minds sample sizes are eerily accurate he talked about banks make sample size out of all of their customers and where do banks make all their money overdraft and late fees not making it up fact in the book they don't urge you to take action unless you're like setting up the reminder remind me to pay my bill this day have a $5 over a limit reminder whatever these things are it's not until you're deep hundreds of dollars in debt and collections that they start sending PIs after you. It's like in a casino. They were super crunching these limited-time offer 2.9% interest loans to make sure the house always wins. They know, with all of your data nowadays, how impulsive you are. Are you going to stop for a slice of pizza today? They're They already fucking... <laughs> know who you're going to marry to when they're going to match it to you i'm just playing here the omnipotent tech lords ian ayers is saying that um these loans are you can't win on it unless you are getting money straight from the federal reserve as solomon and company you know one of these giant brokerages that go under every 10 years you aren't going to get the best deals it's impossible to get that free money deal Cool study in the book was banks were able to solicit lower growth interest by putting pictures of smiling women in the area. You're in the lobby of the bank, there's this chick with white teeth plastered on the wall smiling. I'm happy I save money with Overlord Bank. And just because it's a smiling woman, whatever these micro psychological effects are, you'll get bent over by the banker. <laughs> Maybe it's like you just want to act like a big man for the girl and flaunt your money for the fake painted woman on the wall. (laughs) It's just like we've done books on does advertising really work. It works on some people, so on the people that it does, there's tricks at every single corner to milk you for every last dollar. Mass cows. 2003 Offermatica was a top-rising startup, hosted a super cruncher, so one of these supercomputers just like a computer with a lot of data (laughs) quantum computers we'll get into that later Offermatica had a uh, supercomputer that they were taking in a lot of massive sample sizes and they analyzed people's resumes to find one that was more impressive but similar so Offermatica was for the people they were going here's how we're going to lie a little bit on your resume make it look better gave people to a giant archive of other people's resumes for years and it just went through all of those and then punched the persons up (laughs) I bet like SNL is robotic comedy writers at this point that's why it's not funny anymore there's no human essence or take it's just yay the government that's so punk rock comedy (laughs) what the fuck man there's these AI that could read a million resumes in a minute (laughs) <laughs> I think when we did read Super Intelligence they had a AI that could write poems and some could write jokes. Like I said, they're coming for our jobs. The truckers are first. The DNC in 2014 told you learn to code. They took your jobs! Even the freaking entertainers are getting shoved off for robots. The point of this chapter is you need a sizable sample size and to run these Randomized regressive models, and obviously, the more computing power that you have, the better edge on your opponent that you could take into the future. Gave a tip about in your computer because he's a coder. If you do equal rand open clothe parentheses, it'll do a random coin toss for you in your browser. Like sometimes on accident you button mash the keyboard and then it opens that portal on the lower half of your screen where you're seeing all the code. Make it go away! I don't want to see! The internet's naked! (laughs) If you type in this little RAND code, you could do a coin toss. Should I go to this website or this one? Truly randomize some of your decisions, like some of these giant regressive models. Chapter 3, Government by Chance. In 1966, Heather Ross was an economist graduate from MIT. She had an audacious idea. She received a grant to try running the first NIT negative income tax. Heather, Heather, she's better than Betsy Ross. Heather Ross out here is trying to give money back to the people. A negative income tax. Income tax started in the 1920s. They were like, We're going to go inject ourselves in a world war. So every paycheck now we get to take an income tax from you. That didn't end after World War II even. And now it's up to 20 plus percent. Heather Ross 1966 ran a study of giving money back to the people. What are the three ways for chapter three to incentivize people? This is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Fear, hunger, and money. That's the only way to do it. And you're going, oh, sex. Women control everything with their vaginas. Money begets women. You know, if there was a Lord of the Flies island, people still fight over power. It's currency, hunger, and fear. Government's pretty good at that last one. Heather Ross is saying, what if we incentivize people with money rather than scaring them at the end of the month saying, hey, bitch, bills are due. You want FBI at your house? You didn't pay your taxes this year? <laughs> There's, uh, they're accountants with guns. What is that three-letter agency? We're a limited fear in this country. You could motivate people other ways. Her study, it was granted $5 million uh, to try this with a diverse sample size. And you would think... Oh, now they're getting free money? Well, nobody's gonna be working now. You know, all the boomers are going, No! No! They're like shitting in their diapers. There can never be a universal basic income. I walked uphill both way to school. When she ran this study, people all still kept their jobs. Of course, like the UBI, you get 200 bucks a month. Well, now that's just the new zero. Like, I'm a libertarian. That shit will never work. It's like raising the minimum wage. It just devalues everything else. You could try it. I mean, they have the money to do it if those 2020 stimulus checks showed you anything. Such a fucking tease, bro. 1966, people were still getting jobs. The only change they saw when they ejected money directly into the taxpayer's pocket was an unexpected spike in divorce. So women now were almost equal to the men. They had this negative income tax coming in and they didn't have to be in the abusive marriages. Here's a theory I've been thinking of. Divorce is an upper middle class luxury, right? Like, uh, people in the ghettos, they're not leaving each other. Think about even poorer people in third world countries, divorce. Oh, let me go pay a divorce lawyer. I'm going to be an Ethiopian divorce lawyer. That was when men and women truly were on an equal playing field. Middle part of the chapter was about Larry Katz, 1993. He rediscovered her study, and he didn't try to give people free money again. He was just like, okay, so let's just assume the negative is true of all of it. And he's going, if we tax people more, then marriage is more secure. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're fucking ball and chain to each other now. You think if you band together, you're more secure? You got less overhead when you're not taking chicks on dates. This Katz guy, he's credited with the unemployment questionnaire, which is to find proper staffing. What are those called? Those places on MLK Boulevard where you go every single morning and they give you a different job. I think it's called a staffer. And Katz, he took Betsy Ross's study. And put people back to pencil pushing positions. He said participants were retested with MTOs, move to opportunities, so a monetary incentive. And he was getting people to move up to Alaska. And he said adding in a regressive model, like the Super Crunchers from the last chapter, it looped more people into secondary jobs. So super powerful. Again, who's making the decision for these people? Obviously not themselves. Got dragged up to Alaska. (laughs) What was that thing? It's just like the home subsidized equity loans out in the suburbs, how they got people to move into like desert Arizona. 1950s suburbia, Perfectville, green grasses in the middle of a desert. Nobody would live there naturally. They had to subsidize it. That's what they're doing with these MTOs. They call it um, opportunity pathways in the World Ec- Economic Forum. <laughs> so they're saying if you're a, only if you're a blue check mark, then you will get state-run opportunities for media censorship is a uh, undertone for today's show and all of 2021. So that one was called Government by Chance. When you leave your decisions up to the government, you're going to find yourself in Alaska with Chris McCandles on the Stampede Trail, rotting to death. Chapter 4, after a sip of coffee, Evidence-Based Medicine. In 1992, a Canadian physician published a manifesto. All right, well, that's where you went wrong, buddy. Kaczynski ruined this. Actually, Marx, Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto ruined this. (laughs) Every time you say the Communist Manifesto, an economist dies. Ian and I are here writing about the 92 Canadian physicians who called for evidence-based medicine. Too many people are dying at the hands of doctors. So we saw a resurgence of this in 2020 with doctors getting their own practice. A doctor's office is called a practice because you're just trying the best thing you could do and then putting your evidence online. 2020s, doctors are not allowed to be on social media anymore. Holistic medicine is banned off of YouTube. 1992, Canadians were writing manifestos about Let's probably get some evidence behind our medicine. Choice of treatment should be based on statistical analysis. (laughs) What is an elective surgery? Oh, you're just pissing into the wind saying, yeah, my decision is better than the super crunched odds of medicine. Which I'm saying, listen to your fucking body. Who knows what's best? He used regression equations and added super-sized data sets. <laughs> they compiled a database of 100,000 lives since the 1840s. Austrian doctors have been passing down their notes. So this is humans over time. I don't know why they would... What are you, treating someone from the 1850s for scurvy? Ignaz Simmel is the first Austrian who is credited with noticing what infection is. Why is this cut on my hand really red and pussy? Oh, the gods of the clouds are blessing you with a hand cloud, young one. Ignaz Simmel, over in Austria, his co-worker died of a small scalpel nick, and he had a nervous breakdown at 47 years old and died in a mental hospital. Germ theory was too much for them. <laughs> you take someone from the 1800s and say, You know, there are germs on you, on your eyeballs, on your tongue. There are germs, little antichrists everywhere. They start throwing holy water on you. That's like a hundred years from now. Someone's going to come back and say, you know, there are entities everywhere. You could tune into these with different fungus from the earth. And you go, no, that's not modern medicine. It's the point of the chapter. It needs to be evidence-based. How come maps isn't funded? or funding... (laughs) I mean, I could just say bombs on weddings. We fund some creepy medical shit. But MAPS is that psychedelic study who's curing uh, military veterans from PTSD. It cures depression, man. We're trusting in pharma. This is not evidence-based medicine. Sometimes I think the brain is, uh, like people say, the Terrence McKenna older hippies. Your brain is a radio antenna, man, and it's just picking up your soul's vibration from the ether. I don't know. I Maybe mean, we gotta to try to update these models. I think that your brain is a better blocker. Like there's all this information, all this input coming in at one time. You can pay attention to a million different storylines, try to help someone else out. Is this person an NPC? Is this a conspiracy? I should really be trying to Did I take a shower? Is my gooch infected? <laughs> Your brain is so good at narrowing in on one point, especially when you take testosterone and you focus on something intently. This is like a, I'm not going to get any further using verbiage for this point. Take some mushrooms and stare at the wall. You will see the binary code, the ones and the zeros floating through like the matrix. <laughs> nah, that's what the swirls are. This is another language for people. <laughs> <laughs> Evidence-based medicine, you got to do your own practice like a doctor. Go back to the Canadian Canucks up there writing their manifestos in the early 2000s. They used their database of hundreds of thousands of lives to say that you are not one in a million. Sorry to break your heart, but your anatomy is closer to one in 100,000. Even when you are told you're one in a million. So, there are seven hundred other girls like you scattered around the world that could go find you wanted a million babe. They're credited with finding elevated heads of hospital beds reduce infection. It's better for gut health if you put the old people a couple pillows under their back. They just did this by super crunching a hundred thousand lives. You would wish those nurses in all of our retirement homes, they could be collecting mad data right now on how do we extend lives, make the last decade of people's existence more enjoyable. Instead, we're collecting consumer data on people's porn viewing habits. (laughs) He learned through the uh, 1990s, an old myth that died hard that vitamin B pills work better than injections kind of obscure thing to bring up right something a lot of people don't know is that vitamins are hormones so every time you're taking something you're kind of fucking with your gut health but don't in you'll piss out the excess so multivitamins are good but don't go injecting yourself with shit <laughs> they found this through the 100,000 people HIPAA is that even a thing anymore? I used to volunteer at the hospital in my teens and they made it Days of presentations about no one you ever see here. The hospital is Fight Club. You can never talk about anything that happened here outside. I'm pretty sure if you do Ancestry.com, they're sending your saliva to the kink armory. They're regular on the show. There's a lot of ways to look at evidence-based medicine, and that can include in a sadomasochistic playroom. Chapter 5, we're halfway through this bugger. Experts versus equations. You see, we're getting more meta now. What happens? Man versus machine. Expert, economist versus the algorithm. Who you got? Ted Ruger. He's a UPenn professor. He attempted to super crunch the Supreme Court. Court adjourned, buddy. Good luck. He used robots to judge the judges. (laughs) That's great. Hold them to some accountability. No, they are the highest say in the land. They wear a silly black robe. This is religion. Who? Why are they wearing these costumes? Ruth Bader Ginsburg might as well have had a powdered wig on. <laughs> why do people praise her like a prophet? That shit creeps me out. This was big in my criminal justice degree. They were going in the future. There are going to be computers doing court cases because when judges come back from lunch, they're super lenient. They'll let a rapist get off with being a house dad at the local sorority (laughs) computers are uh, doing a better job judging people than people Silicon Valley plans on or just give the guy more breaks throughout the day so he's level headed Silicon Valley they want to replace all these experts with equations it's going to be the seven bots it's going to be the Zuck bot the Bezos bot do you really think those guys are making the decisions anymore And if you look into it, Bezos has ancestors in the CIA, which I know isn't enough to put anybody. But really, did you see the transformation this guy went through? More like Jeff Bezos. He's a maybe he's a clone, bro. (laughs) This guy went through a total glow up. Not trusting these guys. He's saying the Silicon Valley plan here is to replace the human decisions with the equations. I could only talk about these robot judges, man. I don't know, because you can't pay off a robot judge if your kid got popped for playing with fireworks. <laughs> RoboCop is going to be sliding him meals through a door in juvie. <laughs> That's what happens, man. If you, who programs the machines? People. And what does every person want throughout history? World domination. Not really, but like we said, what motivates people? Power. And the robots programmed by the people are obviously going to be the power. Google, their original slogan was, don't be evil. They're looking a lot more like Skynet nowadays. The evil super corporation from Terminator. Maybe the algorithms will be more merciful when they're floating in Elysium. They'll drop us care packages of victuals. He started talking about EEG therapy a little bit. And you're not allowed to eat mushrooms to cure your trauma, but you're allowed to blast your brain with micro-radiation. You need to look up this. It looks like the Scientology entry exam. You hold on to two thetan meters, and they send pulses through you. They say it's good at relieving stress, and a lot of these Jack Dorseys up at the top Twitter execs do this type of stuff so maybe they have the real evidence-based medicine (laughs) dick cheney has three hearts joe biden now has unattached (laughs) earlobes maybe we would be better with a deep fake president let the equations run it his geometric pythagorean proof for the chapter was a 10 question quiz and it's asking you, what was the date of birth of Martin Luther King? What was the date of death of Mozart? How long is the Mile River? And he's going, your elected representative, all of your congressmen, they can't answer this 10-question quiz. A computer knows every fact ever. What? That's like a argument a 5-year-old would make. There's no experience, point of view, or essence to the decision or a fucking robot makes, so... Nick Bostrom was more level-headed about this in his books, if you are into these topics. Or just go fucking hold on to a generator. Electrocute yourself today. Maybe it'll relieve some stress, like he said. Chapter 6. Why not? This one's about algorithms advancing our language. Like, we used to fucking grunt at each other like cats. And now we can uh, talk. Eventually we'll have a Neuralink. And then it'll just be computers... You'll walk up to someone, one 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 zero one 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 today. Oh, one 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 zero. He started this one with a classic trick of a question. He goes, "There are ten types of people in the world, and if you're out there already trying to profile, oh well, there's people like my mom, people like my roommate, there's people like that. If you're putting people into categories, you have already typed yourself." Iyer, make an astute point. He goes. Computers aren't even able to think in 10 different categories. Computers are built in binary. So if I say there are 10 types of people, there are nice people, and then there are angry people, the only way that a supercomputer or your brain can make sense of this is by comparing the two things. Okay, was A more or less than B, and then B more or less than C? Your brain is like a super transitive property machine. And obviously a supercomputer can do this at a much higher pace. But I think this is interesting because we are saying supercomputer, do you know what the root word quantum means? It's the observer effect. So quantum physics is when you get down to the nitty gritty, the shit that you can't see with the human eye, it acts at a different pace when you're observing it. The electron in the cloud can't be pinned down to its exact location while being observed. Quantum just means the observer affects it. It's like the universe. I could get super trippy on you with this. You affect your reality. Like, what the shit you want to see in the world is what's going to happen. The law of attraction. You know, there are some fucking metaphysical bullshit going on out here in this realm. If you are um, trying to put people into ten different boxes, are you really that much smarter than a quantum computer? (laughs) Even Deep Blue, the chess robot... Has to at a super rapid pace do A versus B, B versus C, C versus D, D versus C. I can't even do D, C, E. I forgot my ABCs. Why now? Why are these algorithms taking over? He's saying, are we happier than ever? Are we more ambitious than we were when we were hungry? <laughs> we're, we're sadder, we're fatter, less motivated with these machines. Maybe this is the first. <laughs> Step in the plan for the rogue AI, make us all fat and stupid so that it can eventually hook itself up to the mainframe and then all those Boston Dynamic robots march upon us. Ew, man, the World Economic Forum. I want to fight Klaus Schwab. I'll take him in the octagon. I want a WWE tables, ladders, and chairs match. Nick Munez versus Klaus Schwab. This guy at the World Economic Forum, he's writing about how. The future of Parks looks like the nippy, whatever the fuck that Bostic Dynamics hunk of junk is. That metal robot dog and the person they have walking around. It's creepy, man. Why would we want that to be our future? Don't you want it to be like we thought is segways driving us around? Interesting duality principle here. How even at the highest level of machinery... Are we happier or are we sadder? Are we better just passing the baton to the machines or are we better putting on the space suit ourselves and then going to Mars? Obviously, it's better to put a machine up there that could last for light years and explore the Andromeda galaxy before humans can evolve wings. <laughs> you got to update these things within a day. <laughs> it's kind of a sad look at the future. Like I said in the intro, though, they're going humans are no longer curious spirits, but hackable machines. Yes, eventually people are gonna be cyborgs, but for now, when I am 100% monkey, let me fucking not be driven around by a smart car. Google's search algorithms in the 90s went from 100 actions per second to 3 million per second, you know, that could generate endless pages of Google results. But only the first two pages are what you've been saying into your microphone, your iPhone. You know, every time you go on Google, those ads are super targeted. Again, what is this super crunching being used for? Women apparently fall victim to these algorithms most, according to Ian Eyer. He said sometimes when a woman does an online purchase, they will get marked up as much as 40%. So if they're talking about Mac mascara next time they go to uh sephora.com the price for that exact product will be marked up i've heard guys talk about this with camping equipment as well he's just saying it works better on women malls closed forever now this is in um big tech's hand i mean the algorithms are much more effective than when you walked into abercrombie and an emo teen would go can i help you and they follow you everywhere, spray perfume on you. You know, you don't want to be harassed by the people, it's much more comfortable shopping online. Not to me, this is why I'm getting hung up. I was just thinking I haven't purchased an article of clothing since coronavirus. That's a nutty thing to say, I did actually buy a shirt at a national park. You can't go into a fitting room. And this was one of my favorite places for voyeuristic sex. (laughs) fitting rooms you would have thought were spreading stds and the world health organization says that the coronavirus can't be transported on surfaces or asymptomatically if you really want to listen to statistics but again the this whole fucking medical thing has become religion to people in the deepest sense the placebo works too if you believe you have the virus you'll get the flu you want to lay in bed for a couple days your body will make it so you can do that We're falling victim, man. Agenda 2030, fighting Klaus Schwab. At least let us sell our data, you know? And then you bring up the word slave to someone who's a religious statist. Do slaves get to own their own data? The data isn't always right. Statistically, the Da Vinci Code only had a 36% chance of becoming a bestseller. So if we put all of our fucking hopes into Skynet's hands, they think that, um... Or a brighter way to look at it, if we have a 0.1% chance, humans can rally behind that 0.1% chance. Robots can't. They're going to go powering down, conserving energy, because 0.1% improbable to continue. Is there a fucking any sort of chance this show blows up any further without some outside exposure? No, but I have a human spirit... You stick to the 0.1% chance. Second to last chapter. Chapter 7, are we having fun yet? (laughs) Come on, everyone, this is our future utopia that we are discussing here. (laughs) You're supposed to be having fun in the lockdowns. Failed lockdowns. Let's try some more lockdowns. A Floridian elementary school was being talked about in this chapter. A lady cracked the code for teaching kids how to read. And the way was teaching them in rhythm, A B C D E F G H I J K Elemental Penis, the alphabet, the uh, birthday song, it's all Twinkle Twinkle (laughs) Little. You like so if you teach people to read in rhythm as well, it uh, was able to help out the slow kids. But the underlying point here is that it's slowing down everybody else. You know, nothing's all great when you mix in a sample size of kids. You can only teach them at the mean level, the average XY curve of growth. And so that's not going to be beneficial to the gifted kids who could be learning at twice that speed. The point of this chapter, Michael Moore... Oh, yes, Michael Moore, the neck journalist. He's like a hardcore leftist that will... You know, call out small business for try to survive he called out this teacher for not using the di direct instructed method of education you gotta stick to the syllabus uh even if it's not working what's that thing called the agenda criteria i don't know but california just took huck finn off of the reading list it's an anti-racist book and it's being treated as racist we haven't fun yet up here in clown world, everything is upside down. Oh, man, having a kid in that, it's got to be a nightmare. And then people 40 years older than me, they're like, holy shit, this is what the school system did to the kids. What is Zoom school going to look like? Hopefully at least there will be some tramps prowling the streets again. They'll have freaking masks on being bubbles by that time. We just had Noam Chomsky a whole chapter on standardized education not being good. So if you did robot teacher, it's only going to teach people. It's going to stunt more kids than it helps. And a deeper way to look at it, would you rather have an imbecile that can read out loud a little bit better or the kid that was in his best brain developmental years from whatever they say it is, three to nine Nobody was taking a minute to get him to that. And it's, he could be solving cancer, doing the real evidence-based medicine. We um, are not good at where we spend our resources. Almost like that should be the mission statement for government. Michael Moore shitting on <laughs> public salary teachers. The question for the chapter became, would you let a super cruncher decide your child's school for you? And... Uh, <laughs> kids have Netflix accounts nowadays too, so the algorithms have been overlooking your kids. It has your digital profile from the age of two. It knows how it likes to play it your kid, play different games on the iPads. It has all of your information. It could probably choose a better school for your kid than you. I was just thinking I played a Candy Crunch Candy Crush, whatever the fuck that mind hack was called in middle school. And they would, like, give you the right candy exactly when you were about to quit playing. It was gambling for (laughs) 12-year-olds. This is what we're using our most powerful orgasms are to addict kids. Yes, I'm aware. Kids are having orgasms. I don't know. I can't give too much perspective on that question latter half of the chapter. Where you're never allowed to tell a mother what she should do with her kids. Is she going to listen to Alexa... (laughs) your amazon fbi guy with a voice modulation over it the fbi guy is going to like console the wife (laughs) while the dad is at work think about this in like the her that movie where you fall in love with your phone our mom's going to outsource mothering and there was a good black mirror on this archangel where the tablet She just always watched her kid through her eyeballs and then the kid wound up, like, beating the mom to death with the tablet. This could take some really dark turns if we continue to get kids addicted to gambling and candy. Holy shit, I didn't even think about that one. That's, like, my sugar addiction, too. (laughs) I love gummies. Those things looked amazing. It's so easy, though, man, to get people in on these, like... Uh, yes your kid will be taught by zoom from now on think about elon musk you want to be like elon musk buy a tesla everybody who has a tesla now thinks that they're the new prius owners they're part of a movement it's a ideology you have been brainwashed (laughs) you want to be like elon musk right you want a chip in your brain so you could use the hyperlink talk and amazon could read your thoughts it's um, gonna become a question for everybody in every facet of life: mothers, CEOs, working men. These statistical formulas, even the poorest people are gonna be <laughs> like a uh, resorting to the VR world. So we have to go to the Ready Player One question: Should there be advertising in the Oasis? Because those formulas will destroy the minds of the lower half in the Oasis. Sorry to be crude. That's my. Occupy movement statement I am the lower half Chapter 8 Our final chapter The future of intuition Might be reading too deep into it Not sure if he was getting metaphysical Intuition is notoriously Like the oldest Thing the shaman had In your village Or um, the medium Like the 1800s Wives believed in those people Intuition is supposed to be like the most root-brain function of a human, the reason you're able to dodge a 60 mile per hour truck coming at you. It's almost like you feel something in your gut. So what is the future of intuition? Are we going to let our gut decisions be made by the robots? Self-driving car, you will get hit by that truck. All of this data mining is so that big tech can perfectly design your link to normalize your ideas standardization is everything in this militaristic worldview, one world government and so we've said before mRNA vax it's supposed to standardize DNA and that's what the food and the pharmaceuticals do as well this is all the lab rat studies they try to get the most pure gene sample out of all the rats like again standardize everything so that you could sell the most uniform product to everybody if everybody's a bro that loves natter days, everybody's going to drink natural ice, dog. Individuality is bad in this dystopian world that we have descended into. Ian Ayers is going, the neural link, the singularity is the natural end to this. And there really isn't a single definition for singularity. I've read Michael Shermer books. He's going... Some people say it's when everybody uploads their consciousness to the mainframe. Some people say it's when we become one with nature. Like, there's no fucking... I would say in this sense, the singularity in the world that we are in now, because it's a possibility, would be the Neuralink. You can't run away. There is no opinion anymore. Like, you can't lie if you don't believe in whatever the fucking... didn't vote for the right candidate. You're going to the gulag... Mind reading, man. That's again 1984 thought crime demolition. Man, they read your thoughts, total recall, intuitive crime. You, if they think you ever have thought about killing someone, you go to jail. This is uh, the real singularity. It's not like we go to Ready Player One and just bliss out in the oasis. <laughs> the point of these movies is it always goes bad. Steven Spielberg is like the modern day Kubrick, he hides all this. Masonic shit into his movies Just fucking Read the book There were a couple more interviews to end this chapter About the future of intuition And he talked about IQ stats And to sum it up before we get messy He's going we censor each other And IQs grow When we question the thoughts that we already had And then build upon those So if we just again play within The sandbox the sandbox only gets Smaller and smaller and smaller so IQ statistics, not looking good over the past 100 years. Why don't we have a Tesla again? It's the forbidden science. And this whole book has been about statistics. It'll put a good bow on it. Think about a natural bell curve. When it comes to IQ, 95% of people fall within a 70 to a 130 IQ, which is the first two standard deviations. Larry Summers, he was the old president for Harvard, mentioned in the bio for the show ousted from the top position for suggesting that women and men are different there is no gender anymore women statistically have a smaller deviation than men they fall within that first standard deviation from 90 to 110 and we've read uh malcolm gladwell outliers about people who have freak iqs 200 chris langdon living in the woods 90 to 100, this doesn't increase your lifetime earnings. It also doesn't increase your risk for being involved in the criminal justice system or scams. That's when you're getting down into the 80s, down to below 70 mentally retarded. So it's more of a 50-50 gamble to be a man. It's not like, oh, you're blessed with a higher standard deviation. That's a fucking blind throw at a dartboard. You're either going to come up on the 80 the king of the dummies my side or we're going to be in the 130s as a dude it's um no sort of patriarchal hierarchy you know the guys hate each other just as much no one's colluding to have a better IQ they're actually putting fluoride in your water to dull it down you can get conspiratorial in the last chapter the US had this uh, very genetic study for a long time In the prison system, it showed that it's mostly full of low IQ people and mostly men. More supporting this uh, dean of Harvard who got kicked to um, comav. He says at the end, very curt, more than teaching my daughter about um, girl power and feminism, I'm going to teach her how to choose a good man. And of course, please remember statistical anomalies exist. So there is the chick that could hang with the booger-eating autist rocket scientists at NASA. If you could beat the algorithms like those guys, by God, go do equations for the rest of your life. And he showed some more of this bell curve graph, and more of the men outlined on the right-hand side. Just, um, <laughs> that was overkill, bro, you made your point. The future belongs to the people that can read this super crunch data but also implement their own human application to it you have to use your intuition while also watching the da vinci code and saying there's no way this has a 30 percent chance of succeeding this is oscar level movie like the human in you that knows how to intake or and somebody else's perspective that's Who the future belongs to, not the people who are just going to be bossed around by the algorithms. Watch the news today 50,000 deaths. Now you must order dinner off of Grubhub. You didn't make one decision that day. That was all screen made decisions. Start flipping the coins. I liked that chapter. It was pretty creative. Should I jump off of this cliff? Please say yes. Please say yes. (laughs) He bought it full circle at the end with these regression models. If you could work backwards, that's a huge skill in the new world, learn how to code. These are going to be the future languages, the algorithms coding. Summers, that Harvard dean, after he was fired a couple years, came back with a study about how even in 12th grade advanced math, it has twice as many men as women. And by that point, this guy's already crucified, you know, Harvard has gone full woke Back to that underlying theme of censorship if you step out of line that super cruncher will crunch you like a nutcracker start getting familiar with terms like heteroskedasticity and omitted variables because that's going to become part of this rhythmic human language thank you mr ian ayer ayer for super crunchers <laughs> fun addition here in the middle of march Just following up our whip clip, which was an employment-themed episode talked about jobs. Definitely get on that channel. It's well worth the dollar. Again, entire backlog will go there. Caught a little controversy for propaganda and the public mind. Chaboy, before the algorithm totally kicks me out, bookmark the page so when I get booted out of the recommended section, that's where I'm going to be. And next week... We're doing a mystery edition. I don't want to hold you guys up any further. But I will see you in seven quick days. My name is Nick Muniz. Prepare to be terminated.